Welcome to Coffee and Curveballs. I'm Tommy Morris. We have a very special guest with us today. It's Bob Melvin, manager of San Diego Padres. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Anytime. So what we really want to do here is for, for those of you in high school, college, trying to get either drafted or maybe high school kids trying to get noticed by colleges, just have Bob give some advice of, of how to get to that point. And then for some of you who are maybe through your career trying to continue into baseball, how he was able to do that. So, Bob, we'll start from the beginning. What was the beginning of your baseball journey? Well, you know, high school is when I first started to get noticed by scouts and, and obviously drafted. Um, I, I, I got drafted in the third round out of high school, and I, I didn't sign. I went to Cal. My family really believed I needed at least another year Um you know, to be able to go away and start playing baseball. And it, it was the right move. You know, nowadays, there's just so much more of a spotlight on leading up to the draft and so forth. I remember when I was, you know, in high school, my junior year, I started seeing some scouts in my senior year. All of a sudden, there were a lot of scouts at our games. And I asked my high school coach, uh, Coach Betancourt, I said, who are these guys? And he's <laughs> like, well, those are professional scouts. And you know, they're here to watch players and potentially draft them. And I go, who are they here for? And <laughs> in general, he said, you. And and really, that's the first time it really dawned on me that potentially I had a future in baseball and, you know, professional scouts were looking at me. So, you know, obviously it's a lot different now. Uh, like I said, much more of a spotlight on it. But that was the kind of the time I first realized that, that maybe I would have a career in baseball. And for those kids who are starting to get with that into that process, again, for you, you said you didn't even know they were there for you. It could have been for anybody. But what is it like? What's like those first couple at bats with, with the eyes on you? And how did you kind of get over maybe some of the nerves of, oh man, this is like these people are here for me? You know, it's interesting because I I started to I you know I started to try to do things a little differently because of the scouts being there. I remember I, I tried to bunt for a hit one time and I popped the ball up and the catcher caught it and I'm walking back to the dugout and I heard one scout go, I drove 350 miles to watch this guy bunt. And it was just, <laughs> it, you know, it was things like that kind of certainly got your attention. Um, and then I went back to just kind of playing my game, but I think, you know, for me, it, it's, you know, you can get so focused on, you know, one thing in your life. And I was glad that I played different sports. I'm glad that I played basketball. I played football. I played golf because, you know, you can get too wrapped up into at a young age, just, just doing one thing. And, and, you know, whether it's burnout or whether it's, you know, not allowing yourself to, to, to do different things and play different sports to, to really ath athletically, uh, mature a little bit more in all these different areas. I, I always tell parents that, look, let these kids be themselves and let them play different sports and let them do different things so they don't get so serious about it at such a young age. Yeah, and I want to ask you about that too because there's a lot of specialization going on, I feel like, in youth sports where a kid decides very early on or the parents decide very early on, this is going to be the best sport for him or her and they got to do that. When do you think it's appropriate for a a student athlete to, to kind of focus on one? Is it after high school? Is it maybe towards the end of high school? When is it kind of time to to do that? And also, 
do you think specialization maybe hurts some of these young athletes? I do. Um, you know, you don't, you're not a pro until you're a pro. And, you know, it's certainly, you know, if you want to get better and there, there's all sorts of avenues to do that now with technology, whether it's specialized coaching and so forth, that's okay. But, but continue to round yourself and play other sports and, and just have fun. Cause at the end of the day, sports are about having fun. And I think you can get a little too serious, whether it's early in high school you know, obviously, once you get out of high school, whether or not you're drafted there and you go into college, then it gets a little bit more specialized. But let yourself have fun and, and, and play sports and be a kid until it has to get serious. And along the same lines of that, I, I feel like, and again, this is me personally, there's almost so much overuse with some of these young, young athletes. By the time they get to the point where they are in the major leagues or in the minors, they're almost already kind of burn out their arms or or certain parts of the body are just starting to, to drag a little bit. Have you noticed some of the guys that played a little bit less when they were younger, say maybe they played, like you said, football, basketball, then got to college or were drafted and then took it more seriously. Is there a different sort of way that their, their bodies work now, or is it kind of just luck of the draw? You know, you know, I, I agree in the fact that if this is going to be 12 months, you know, for a pitcher or whatever, it can be too much, especially at a young age. You're seeing so many kids now, you know, go through all these programs where they're trying to throw harder and, and you know, develop that much quicker. Most of these kids end up having Tommy John, um, you know, that are trying to throw harder at a young age. You're just, th you're just throwing too hard for your muscles and your ligaments and, and stuff at a young age. So, <clears throat> you know, the, I think there's a balance to it. And, you know, even in when you get to when you're a pro you need some downtime you need some rest and, and you know when you look at it as a 12-month thing not only can it fry you a little bit and burn you out some I think you you know you overextend things and and the and the body needs needs some rest so there's an off season for a reason right and we see it almost feels like there's more emphasis put on the arm health and it almost is to me almost almost it's going backwards like the feels like there's more injuries and more emphasis put on, you know, how many pitches, what kind of pitches, that kind of stuff. Is, is there, are, are we kind of teetering back and forth on how much you guys should throw? Is it actually healthier to throw maybe hundred pitches and then take a week off or, or is the pitch count helping? What, what's kind of the the mindset now um, for, for some of the guys in the, in the, in the pro offices? Yeah. You know, it feels like everybody's developing to be a reliever now you know the days when you know Jim Palmer I talk to Jim Palmer every time we go to Baltimore he threw 300 innings eight years in a row <laughs> nobody you throw 200 innings now and it's almost like you're torturing somebody or you're, you're you know overusing them so you know it's it's I I'd love to see the game get back to pitchers that don't just rear back and throw 98 all the time I know it's about missing bats but there's also a skill set involved to, you know, moving the ball around, keeping the ball on the ground. I think some of the new rules now that you're seeing in Major League Baseball are, you know, kind of going in this direction where it's just not reliever after reliever after reliever or a starter that goes five innings. You know, I used to in Oakland's organization, I used to talk about, OK, so we're bringing up, you know, a, a kid by the name of Jesus Lazardo that we brought up in, in Oakland years ago. And, you know, they, I was watching all his outings before he came up to, to the big leagues and they were five innings, five innings, five innings. 
So if this is the crown jewel of our organization and this is the guy that we think is our best pitcher, you know, and he's pitching five innings, he's never really pitching where the game, you know, where the game is decided. So when we brought him up, we brought him up and we, we pitched him out of the bullpen, but we pitched him a little bit in length. So we'd bring him in like in the fifth or sixth innings and let him three, throw three or four innings when the game really matters. And I, to that point, that was probably as good a year as he's had. You know, here recently starting, he's had some good years. But he really impacted the game because he was in there when it really mattered. So, you know, when you have these guys just throwing five innings, yeah, it's great. You get five innings and so forth. But now you're you're using other guys that might not be as quality or as good uh, later on in the game. So I, I I like seeing organizations develop starting pitchers where they do throw a hundred pitches, they do stretch them out a little bit, and, and the focus and just isn't on max effort and throwing as hard as you possibly can all the time. Well, we mentioned that for the pitching aspect. Now that it seems like there's a max effort side, I feel like for hitting, it's getting there too. When, when you were kind of coming through the ranks. Batting average was important. Making contact with the ball is important. It seems like now it's not really focused on. It's more about how far can I hit the ball. If I strike out, it doesn't matter. Do you see that teetering back and forth with the new rules? Like you mentioned, there's no more shifts. Um, are, are we going to see kind of a, a resurgence of these guys hitting in the in the 300s? I hope so. I mean, you're so seeing so many, you know, strikeouts and strikeout lookings. And, you know, it's walk, strikeout, homer, guys swinging straight up. You know, maybe I'm a little bit too old school as far as that goes, but w- when you protect the plate and you put the ball in play, sometimes the two strikes, something good can happen. You know, you, you're forcing the defense to make plays. Um, you know, you, you're just not standing up there and, and waiting for a pitch that you can drive over the fence. So I do think some of the new rules are enhancing, kind of go going back to that little bit, a little bit and a focus on that. Um, I, I was, you get a little put out with just those three outcomes and I don't think it's as entertaining game to watch. And I think that's why some of these rules are being implemented in, in major league baseball. I, I tend to agree with you. And have you seen sort of with the player development and also, I know you don't maybe have to go into the scouting as much now with, with your role as a manager, but is that being discussed more about making contact with the ball? Whereas maybe five years ago it was just, well, the exit below on this guy's huge. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I, you know what? It depends on the organization. So organizations do things differently. There's organizations that are, you know, mathematically and analytically inclined, and and they're probably still more in that school of, you know, their algorithms that, you know, starting pitchers aren't facing guys more than two times around the lineup. Uh, hitters are always matching up and and you know power is is kind of still in and then there's other organizations that are a little bit more traditional now you're seeing organizations that are running a little bit more uh you know for a while there that you know you didn't want to run into out so you weren't trying to steal bases and I, it's just a more entertaining game that way to see athleticism whether it's running whether it's putting balls in playing making fielders field the ball i think it's a more entertaining game so i think it just depends on the organization that you're in but i think there is a little bit of a shift back towards where the game was played maybe years ago and we'll go back to years ago too so you mentioned you decided to go the college route kind of a two-pronged question here um, for kids having to make that choice, what are the factors that need to go into it? And then also from your perspective now, when you take a kid out of high school versus a kid out of college, 
what are some of the things the high school kids struggle with that the college kids may not and vice versa? Well, look, I mean, it, the, the, the percentages show you the kids that are drafted, it's a small percentage that makes it to the big leagues. So, you know, the guys drafted maybe in the first three or four rounds that are getting a lot of money and, and, and organizations really feel like these are the kids that are going to make it to the big leagues. That's where the decisions really uh, come into play. Um, if you're drafted a little bit lower and you have a scholarship or you can go to a university that you get your education on top of it, I think that's kind of the best do it. Um, you know, you, you get your education, you mature a little bit more. If you develop, uh, you know, it's great. You're still going to get drafted. Um, it, it's to me sometimes that the high school kid that has a chance to go to college that's drafted a little bit lower that kind of misses out on that because the percentages are pretty low. Even guys that get to pro ball or drafted and get to pro ball to get to the big leagues, it's a pretty low percentage. Yeah. And and so for you, from the perspective of yourself as a manager, or even a perspective from a front office type of view, what are some of the differences between obviously the age, right? In the maturity level, but what are the main differences between college kid and high school kid coming out is it college kid needs to be rushed up or is it, well, we'll still let him get till about 25 to call him up or how, how does that kind of work versus a high school kid where they, they seemingly have forever to kind of get through the minors and then make their way to the majors? Right. It's, you know, for college kids, it's, it's, you know, when I remember when I came out of Cal, you know, you come out of a, a university like that, it was kind of equivalent to almost double A. So you're a little bit older and they're going to push you through a little bit and try to get you to the big leagues that much quicker. You've matured some, you know, the difference between maturing and 17 and, and 2021 is huge. When you go to the minor leagues out of high school, you know, you start in a ball, you're starting rookie ball. It, it's a, it's a tough grind getting all the way to the big league. So, you know, obviously the guys that are, they have a lot of money invested in, they're going to push and they're going to give them every opportunity, but, you know, once you get to college and, and you're still, you know, maturing and, and you're you're the, the the athlete that you were when, you know, coming out of high school, you're just that much closer to the big leagues and you don't have to spend as much time in the minor leagues. And for those guys, I'll ask you kind of a similar question again. What's the number one thing that you got when you guys take a high school kid and he comes in? What's the number one thing they have to learn first and send them with college kids? What's the number one thing that they have to learn once they get into, a uh, you know, a big league organization? Well, there are a lot of things, but it the, the you learn really quickly that that it, baseball is tough. I mean, you're on the road, you're playing every day, your travel is extreme, especially in the minor leagues with all the bus rides. Uh, a lot of really talented kids get you know weeded out because they just can't handle the the schedule. You know, you go from high school and you're playing what once or twice a week. And now all of a sudden you're playing every single day and you're getting on bus rides. You're getting in places at, at four in the morning. You have a game that night. Um, it, it's a, it's a, not only a physical grind, but a mental grind. So I think that's the first thing for me that stood out was, um, you know, going and playing in the minor leagues and understanding how hard it was to get to the big leagues and, and getting through the travel aspect of it and, and both mentally and physically acclimating to the schedule. You talk about the mental aspect for a lot of these guys because they've been the best player, you know, probably in their city if they're in high school. They've been the best player in their conference if they're in college. A lot of them have never had really had to deal with failure or struggling. 
what's it like having to take a guy who's never had that problem before and he's maybe in a slump and just never experienced in his life? How do you kind of bring him out of that? That's huge. So, you know, like you said, for the first time in your life, all of a sudden you're not the best guy and now you're struggling. And, and mentally, you know, it's the first time you're saying, you know, am I good enough to do this? You know, that that's another reason to maybe, you know, go through the amateur ranks before you get to the professional ranks as you still continue to be kind of that guy. But when you do get to, to pro ball, I mean, what are the percentages of the guys that are the best guys on your team and a ball, double a triple. And then you, you get some of the best players in the world to get to the big leagues. And now all of a sudden they're bench players or they're role players and, and getting over that hurdle of, am I good enough? Or, um, you know, am I, am I going to get through this, this slump and so forth. And that's where the coaches that have had experience really have, you know, an impact on kids that, Hey, look, everybody goes through this thing, you know, look at, look at the perspective here, you know, 300 hitters are failing seven out of 10. This is a business that there's a lot of failure in and, and really kind of gaining that perspective from coaches that have been through it. And after the playing days are done. So some, some people are done after high school, some after college, some playing the minors a little bit. A lot of people want to do what, what you ended up getting to do, being a manager, working, you know, for a four team. So, what advice do you have for some of these guys whose careers are now kind of over, regardless of how far they got? How how is what is the best way about trying to get into a front office or get into into a baseball um, role? Well, you know what, you get to get a focus on other things in life too. So, you know, it's it's pretty immense to just your world gets really small as a player. Uh, all you can think about is that particular game and and you know where you're where you're trying to go. Uh, I, I think, you know, with even in the big leagues now, when, you know, guys are looking at iPads and, and they're looking at their at bats and their so forth, watch the game, watch the game and learn. I was lucky enough to learn from guys like Roger Craig when I played for the Giants. He forced his catchers to watch the game like a manager did. And it benefited me down the road. And then learning from Phil Garner being his bench coach and, and how to look at the game at a little different perspective. And Sal Bando took me through, you know, before I was a bench coach with the Brewers, my first year coaching, he took me through scouting. He took me through player development. I was pretty well rounded once I got to coach. So I had a pretty good perspective on all the different things that go on and how you relate to, uh, you know, to the different you know facets of of organizations and i think you know even now in my role as a big league manager i i understand how you have to manage up and 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 what ownership uh, is going through and what scouts have to and so you know if you can really kind of expand you know your 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 reaches and how you watch the game and how you watch the sport I think it sets you up a little bit better to to stay in the sport once your playing days are over. And watching the game like a manager, what does that entail? If 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 I'm a guy who's on a team, maybe I'm a pitcher and I don't have to pitch that day. I'm, I'm trying to watch the game as a manager. What what does that entail? Just you know, you don't focus on on every other position and and understand kind of put yourself in their shoes and what they're you know what they're looking at on you know, in, in, in when you're sitting on the bench or when you're not playing or, 
you know, you, you're, you're okay. Let's focus on the shortstop today. What's his mindset? What's his pre pre pitch routine? What's, what's he thinking about here with runner on first base and who's covering and so forth. Um, you know, Roger Craig forced us to kind of think along with him because we got signs for, with him from throwovers to pitch outs every now and then calling pitches. And as a catcher, you have to understand you're the, everybody's looking at you as a catcher and you have to understand you know, scouting reports where we're, you know, where we're positioning guys and so forth. So if you can kind of put yourself in other positions, shoes, uh, I think it forces you to kind of broaden your outlook at the game and, and understand it at a little bit of a deeper level. So then I'll, I'll let you hype up the position because I think you're hinting at it. Do, do catchers make the best managers? <laughs> well, you, you see a lot of them as, as managers, right? I mean, I was lucky enough to do that. And and my catchers, I force them to to watch the game like I see it. And there's there's kind of an, you know, with catchers that I've had certainly for a while, you know, there's this unspoken language where I can give them a look and they know exactly what I'm thinking and, and exactly what I'm what I, what my expectation is. So um I was lucky enough to to play for some managers that that forced me to look at it that way. So I would say, yes, I mean, that they have the broadest, you know, base outlook at, at, at how the game's played. And I think you're still seeing a lot of catchers that, uh, you know, the, that are managers right now. I think if you look around the league, it's probably the highest percentage. I know it was for a long time. I'm not hundred percent sure right now. Have you had any players that you think one day this is going to be a manager? Well, I told Craig Council when when I had him in Arizona, I said, "Look, you know, it's it's almost like uh, you know Gordon Getko in in Wall Street. Fisherman always sees another fisherman, and and I've seen you know guys that I think are going to be managers. And Craig Council was probably the first one that I told him that, and he kind of looked at me funny. Johnny Oates told me that when I was with Baltimore." Uh, he was a manager of mine, and and I asked him a question during the game, kind of an intricate question. And he looked at me. He goes, "You know what?" He goes, "Walter Olson told me the same thing when I was playing." And you know, you you watch the game right, and and maybe you have a future doing this. And that's the first time it even dawned on me that that maybe I did have a future, you know, uh, outside of playing. Uh, that's great. I mean, obviously the game's changing still, and all these changes with the, you know, with the. The challenge is, and maybe potentially getting to robot umpires and stuff. Where do you see the future of the game? Man, it's 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 it, this year is probably the extreme as far as the changes that I've seen in a long time. And you know, whether it's analytics and so forth, the game sped up. It's gotten a lot smarter. You're seeing a lot of different people in baseball that you didn't originally see. You know, it was all the old school scouts and all the old school. Uh, baseball people that after they played, they got into ranks. Now you're seeing Ivy League guys come in and, you know, it, in in front offices or, or you know, it, it, a lot of it is is guys that have, you know, that might, might be in the business world that are now in baseball. That's kind of uh, been a big change. And now all of a sudden you're seeing, you know, with these rule changes, a lot of different things uh, to have to, you know, to deal with now, other than just, you know, playing the game like you're used to when you're coming up. And I think maybe more than any sport, it, it changes and it continues to accelerate and change. And if you don't change along with it, you know, you're going to find yourself doing something else. So you have to be open to change and, and embrace it as well. 
Yeah, I mean, I personally like the pitch clock. I think it gets back to kind of what you were saying earlier, the the older version of the game where guys were just kind of, you know, playing at a, at a faster pace. The challenges, I think, are great. I, I'm not a huge fan of the catcher to catch your interference rule. I'm sure you you have your opinion on that one too. Yeah, I look, I I mean, challenges. It's <laughs> I you know I I it's probably good. I think challenging was put in for the egregious call, right? That that right. really impacted the game. I think at some point in time we got a little bit too minute and looking at at calls that you know are so close that. You know, I, I, I really feel like there has to be some, you know, as far as umpires go, there has to be some feel a little bit, you know, I, it, for me in the challenge system right now, I would throw out that the call has an impact on, on what the call may, you know, overturning it. I think, I think it should just be independent of that. I also think that, you know, umpires cycling in and out of the replay, I think it should be more dedicated to a couple of groups that don't have any ties to their umpires and that, that only do that because we're trying to get a handle on, you know, when we challenge a play, whether or not we think it's going to get overturned or not, it seems to change all the time. The criteria changes some. So I would, I would dedicate some crews that that's all they did and maybe not even umpires, um, you know, to make it a little bit more consistent so we understand when we feel like we're going to, you know, challenge or not. Right. I mean, you had a good one yesterday, so so props to you for that one, the ball hitting the knob. Yeah, I, I, we did. But, man, you know, sometimes you, you look at these things and you're going, really? Um, <laughs> and it impacts games, too. And just, you know, with technology and sports now and, you know, the, the super slow-mo and everything, man, it, it just seems like we've gone a little bit too far with that. I will say this, and I can't remember the name of the, the batter, but that was a heck of an acting job. I Watching it from TV, I thought it hit him in the hand. <laughs> and then when they showed the slow-mo, I, I don't know how he, he really sold it. Yeah, you know, it's it's then that's what a lot of times umpires go on is reaction to the, the hitter. It's tough to, you know, if you, if you don't get hit to react like you did. But I, I agree with you. I, for a minute there... I, you know, I was thinking, okay, I don't, we're not going to challenge this one. And, and, you know, obviously nowadays you have to look at everything because uh, you may miss something you don't want to miss something. So that one kind of surprised me. But when, you know, when the, when we called replay, they said for sure, 100% hit the knob. He choked up a little bit. Go ahead and challenge it. Oh, did you go off sound at all or no? Um, I, you know what I, you can, but you know, guys now have these, you know guards and that sounds like the bat it doesn't it you know it, it really for us it doesn't matter sound we're always going to call the replay and and see what they have to say awesome well Bob, i've already taken too much of your time thank you so much uh really really appreciate it good luck the rest of the season thank you very much anytime i'll come on anytime you need me